The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. future in the palm of your hand, when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. A fantastic journey through a world beyond imagination. Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner! There's just one catch. When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Michael York is Logan. Run, Logan! Policeman in a perfect world. No! Trained to track down runners. Run, Logan! Until he is forced to run himself. I'm your friend, I understand. We all go crazy once in a while. But she's a runner, and it's over. Overwhelming, am I not? <laughs> Box, an incredible being. More than human, more than machine. Diabolical guardian of the gateway to freedom. For Logan and the woman who loves him. like that before. That must be the look of... of being old. MGM takes you into a new age of adventure in the first motion picture of the 23rd century. Logan's Run. It begins where imagination ends. 
All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo. And I'm your co-host, Kyle. That's actually Kyle 2. Kyle, Kyle. Kyle 1 has been sent to the carousel. <laughs> Kyle 1 was executed for messing with a recording earlier. <laughs> actually, you know, it's kind of funny, Kyle, because uh, this movie we're talking about, Logan's Run today, uh, people don't uh, make it past 30, and guess what? You're right there on right the Right there on the edge. I'm, I'm almost ready for the carousel, Jimbo. <laughs> Couldn't be more excited. <laughs> so, uh, Kyle, before we get started, let's throw a question your way. All right, Jimbo. I'm ready for any question you have. Are you any sure? Question. Are you any sure? question, Jimbo. All right, Kyle. If you were in this movie, mm-hmm. which, I don't want to say character would you like to play, but what color would you like to have on your oh. sundial, hand palm dial or whatever? <laughs> What color I like to wear all the time? What color I like my No, what color would you... What color would I identify with? Would you see yourself with? as the Sandman? Would you see yourself as a runner? Which, no. <laughs> yeah, there's... Thanks, Jemba. There's one you thing know, I'm not. You know, it's a just, runner. You know, we decided to remake this movie. Instead of Logan's Run, it's called Kyle's Walk. So <laughs> be on the, the lookout for that. <laughs> Kyle's Weak Jog. Coming to theaters now. Kyle has an asthma attack. <laughs> Kyle's sleeping. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez, uh, Jimbo. Um, I know. I threw you for a loop with that one. He's I still would, I would, up hey, about it. You know, I think it'd be cool to start wearing green all the time. I think it'd be cool. Get some good pastels in there, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. Kyle would be playing the, 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 the female role in this with the Tinkerbell costume. <laughs> <laughs> There were guys in greens too. I think it was just an age thing to determined your color. I don't think there was any guys in green, was it? What I thought the? it was. I thought it was totally just your age determined your color. I, I thought that know. was the idea. All I remember seeing the movie. So I thought know. all the guys were in red and all the girls were in green, but I could have been wrong. I thought it was at the end I of the movie when they were all crawling out of the. Thing. Now I now I really don't know. I'm embarrassed by that. <laughs> okay, let's continue on. Oh no, I still got more questions. Oh, you have more questions for me. Okay, you said great. anything? I, so I, I said anything. I didn't say many. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, the island of many things. Okay, uh, well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and let Kyle take it away before we derail this sure, any further. Sure, sure, Jimbo. All right, all right. Well, let's, let's 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 trudge along here into the movie. All right, we have Logan's Run, released on June 23rd of 1976, directed by Michael Anderson, written by David Goodman and, uh, for the screenplay adaptation, and the book is was written by um, uh, William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson. Produced by Sal David, composed by Jerry Goldsmith, and cinematographer was Ernest Laszlo. Budget of the film was $9 million in 1976. Just for inflation, that'd be about $47.7 million today. Unfortunately, we don't have any box office earnings money, but we, um, earning data, but, um, the, the time history, um, might be able to find it on their website later on in this podcast today, but I don't have information on me. But this film was mildly successful, at least. Um, it had a long-lasting legacy, so I'm sure to say it's at least somewhat successful. Um, going on through the quick plot summary right here, um... Oh, excuse me. Um, it is the year is twenty two seventy four, and on the surface of Earth, it all seems to be an idyllic society. Living in a city with an enclosed dome, there is little to no work for humans to perform, and habits are free to pursue all the pleasures of life. There is one catch, however: your life is limited, and when you reach thirty, it is terminated in a quasi-religious ceremony known as the carousel. Some people, known as runners, try to escape their fate from when time comes, and it's the job of the Sandman to track them down and kill them. 
Logan is such a man. With several years for his own termination date, he thinks nothing of the job he does. Soon after meeting a young woman, though, Jessica Six, he is ordered to become a runner and infiltrate a community outside the dome known as Sanctuary and destroy it. Pursued by his once friend Francis, also a Sandman, Logan and Jessica must find their way outside the city. There, they discover a beautiful, virtually uninhabited world. Logan realizes that he must return to the dome and tell him what he's found to be set free. Moving on to some of the awards of the film this earned and over time, we have the awards for it was nominated for an Oscar for a uh, the award for best visual effects, spectacular for the time. Very, very, we'll get, very we'll get good. More of the details right there too. I'm surprised they actually didn't win because there's some stuff there. I'm like, it's amazing they did this in 1976, especially. And it was also nominated for best art direction and set direction, especially too. Once again, incredibly impressive. This movie has like an almost like quasi future space mall kind of vibe to it that I think they're kind of going for you know at least my kind of my interpretation for it um, and here is a list for the wins uh, especially at the 1977 Academy of Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Films role we have the award for best makeup best costumes best science fiction film best cinematography and best set direction and best art direction all awarded to this film well actually Kyle um, originally, there wasn't going to be a visual effects Oscar awarded for the 49th Academy Awards. The visual effects committee didn't believe any of the movies were worthy. Retroactively, this decision was overturned, unlike for 1973, and the Oscar given was shared between this movie and King Kong. Oh, wow. The Academy's visual effects committee members, including its chairman, resigned in furious protest. Oh, my gosh. So that I is... thought that was pretty cool. Huh. A lot of drama outside the film right there. Cool. We'll get some more of those fun facts in the trivia section later on in this podcast. That's really cool stuff. Um, next up, we have the 1977 Hugo Awards, where it was nominated for the Best Dramatic Presentation. And for the 1977 Moscow International Film Festival, it was nominated for the Golden Prize. So that's uh, the awards that won right there. Here's some of the technical details of the film, which will become relevant in the trivia a little bit later in this podcast. We have a runtime of one hour, 19 minutes. Um, just about, almost, uh, sorry, 119 minutes, right at about um, just just sort of two hours long. Sound mix, this is a 70mm six-track, and it also have features Dolby 35mm prints and a four-track stereo for the various adaptations it's received from VHS to DVD and Blu-ray and theater adaptations. Color we used was Metro Color for this film. Aspect ratio is 2.2 by 1. Camera, cameras used for this film were the Airflex cameras the Kenworthy snorkel camera systems, the Michelle cameras, and the Todd AO anamorphic lenses. Did they use the snorkel cameras for the underwater scene? I believe so. <laughs> and the anamorphic cameras for the um, the last scene where he gets like his brain, uh, the brain interrogating machine, which I thought was incredible to watch. It was an almost like a th- pseudo 3D-like appearance to him, and I thought that was really cool. Then um, film length, um, for the total film length, um, was 3,135 millimeters over, uh, I believe it was 8, 720 20 millimeter film reels. And so, in the process was oh, for the Todd AO3 or Animal Limbs, it was the Todd, Todd AO system. And then, printed format was 8 millimeter, 35 millimeter, and 75 millimeter, respectively, for the adaptations for the theater to tapes. Cool there. Um, filming dates was from June 1975 to September of 1975. Moving on, we have the cast notes here, which I'll go to in just a few moments. We have Michael York, the star of the character, star of the Mo Show, playing the titular Logan. You say the star of the Mo Show? The star, star of the Mo Show, that's right. Star of the Mo Show, Fo Show, yo. I just want everybody to know that Kyle comes up with his own words sometimes, and it's kind of, kind of need a dictionary. Exactly, to... exactly. You need your own little kind of, yeah, Kyle 
you know, translator device. Kyleism is what we're going to call it. Kyleisms. Yeah, sure. Well, I've got my own language. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, once again, we have Michael York playing the titular Logan of Logan's Run. Michael York was also in the film Cabaret in 1972. He was in all three of the Austin Powers uh, movies, including uh, the International Spy of Mystery, um, the Spy Who Shagged Me, gold oh, International Man of Mystery, and The Spy Who Shagged Me, and Gold Member. I like gold. He was in those films from 1977 to 2002. And who did he play in those movies? He played Baswell, um, the, I believe it was Baswell. Baswell Exposition 2, because he was also the exposition voice for all the three films. And I think that was his full character name, is Baswell Exposition, <sighs> I think, which is very funny. Um, and he was also in the films The Three Musketeer in 1973. Yeah. Michael Work is still alive, actually doing a little bit of voice work for something like The Simpsons show. So we got two. So that's eighty one, I think you said. Yeah, I believe it was eighty one. Um, next up, we have Richard Jordan playing the character of Francis Logan's friend in the film. Richard Jordan, Richard jo- Jordan was Richard Jordan was also in the film Hunt for Red October in nineteen ninety, and he was in the film Gettysburg in nineteen ninety three. Next up, we have Ginny Agato playing the character of Jessica. Ginny Agato was also in the film American Werewolf in London in 1981. Excellent film. And she was also in the film The Railway Children in 1970. Next up, we have Roscoe Lee Brown playing the character of Box, the um, this silver robot you see in the halfway point of the movie. Roscoe Lee Brown was also in the films The Cowboys in 1972 and The Liberation of L.B. Jones in 1970. Next up, we have uh, a legendary actress owner, right? Farrah Fawcett playing the character of Holly in this film. Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett is easily most... Did you say Farrah Fawcett? Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett, am I right? Um, <laughs> Farrah Fawcett was also, of course, most easily well-known for her role in Charlie's Angels from 1976 to 1981 as one of the original angels. She was also in the film's Cannibal Run in 1981 and the film Saturn Three in 1980. And I do believe she's in that one that we looked up called The Burning Bed or something. Uh, uh, yeah, The Burning Bed. And yeah. it's um, basically uh, <laughs> an abusive relationship where she ends up killing her abuser. A so true, true story of, yeah, domestic abuse. Kyle put it on the trailer and he's like, oh, this looks this looks like a sad movie. <laughs> looks like a was, yeah, and I, I bet I'm right. Mm. Although it did have pretty good reviews, so it could be perfectly fine. Um, Michael Anderson Jr. plays the character of Doc in the film. Michael Anderson Jr. was also in the films The Son of Katie Elder in 1965 and The Sundowners in 1960. Next up, we have Peter Ustinov playing the character of Old Man in the film. Peter Ustinov was also in the films Spartacus in 1960 and Death on the Nile in 1978. Going forward here, we have the actor Gary Morgan playing the character of Billy. Gary Morgan was also in the films The Mask of Zorro in 1998 and Storybook in 1996. And lastly, we have Michelle Stacy playing the character of Mary Two. Michelle Stacy was also in the film The Rescuers in 1977 and Fire in 1972. So, yeah, Michelle Stacy, that was a little girl you saw in the... Um, the that one place where they put all the link with children. Right. Yeah, she was a little girl that stole Jessica's uh, gauntlet. Little bracelet. Yeah, bracelet. Bracelet. Gauntlet. Gauntlet. She wore his gauntlet. She was a knight <laughs> And she film. snapped. <laughs> My word choices are a little far out today. Kyle is on lack of sleep today, just for the record. That so. is true. That is true. Um, yep. All right, Jimbo, let's move on to some, some trivia stuff and get some thoughts. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about this movie before we just dive right oh, into go the for trivia. It, yeah, of course, Kyle. of course. Uh, Back and forth. I think uh, when you watch this movie, something you have to keep in mind is science fiction at this time, the special effects was kind of right there on the border because you got to remember, I think one year after this, 
Star Wars came out, mm-hmm. A New Hope. So um, some of the special effects for this were probably groundbreaking and maybe even influential on George Lucas. I don't know. But um, I wish that they would go back and maybe re-edit this. Uh, re-update the special effects in it because, I, or even remake it. I think this is a movie that if you're ever going to remake a movie, this is one that they could remake and probably make it just as good, if not better. Yeah, because I think I agree with you. Like you can kind of see, like the like they're just on the cusp of overcoming right limitations there. in right some respects. There. Like they do a lot of intelligent things, but enough like. Like, if you watch it today, you can see how, like, oh, okay, they just use miniatures here, or this special effect is just them literally just, like, literally tipping on this onto, like, the screen reel or something like that to, to get that special effects done, or, like, overexposure of Well, light. it's like even their yeah. gun, the, the guns that they use, you see them pull the trigger and you hear a noise, but then you look away and it's just, like, everything's, like, shooting at the feet and stuff, or, or on the walls. You can see where they put, like, explosives on the ground or on the walls and just activated them and blew them up. It's, yeah. You know, we didn't have the lasers going across the screen or anything like that. Yeah, so. but I agree. I think the story would still be very relevant to a lot of people who, uh, if this one was made today, and also like once again, like you were saying, like you said, the special effects um, could very much use an update. But also, like it's still incredibly impressive for the time. But at the same time, you see, like if they overcame those limitations, this film would be all the more stronger. And it'd also be interesting to see what kind of like, you know, what kind of minor alterations you could do for a little bit more modern sensibilities. I think you know, there's some things where I'm like. Ah, Maybe aged a little bit poorly, or like maybe that wasn't a bad thing as this film might portray it as. Some kind of stuff right. like that. Yeah. So, as Kyle had stated, uh, this movie uh, talks about the carousel, mm-hmm. where once you've hit uh, the age of 30, you have to go to the carousel and you basically go into this arena where everybody comes to watch. And this light comes from the ceiling and you start ascending up in the air. And if you make it to the top, you're supposed to be reborn. Um, renewed, renewed. Yeah. Um, if not, you just basically blow up right there. Um, which is a kind of a, it's kind of a weird, weird thing for people to go watch because they're all like redo, redo. People are blowing up on 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 the screen, and you're like, huh. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't understand their choices of costumes. There, it looked like a bunch of Ku Klux Klan members down there in the thing with their hands raised to me. Uh, but then they pulled the hood back, and there's like I don't know, almost like a Casey Jones from Turtles hockey mask. Kinda. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Kyle made up a point while we were eating breakfast because we like to eat um, that <laughs> maybe that why they chose that kind of stuff because if everybody's exploding, uh, maybe keep their innards uh, from spraying the crowd. Like, yeah, they're basically corpse bags that are being wrapped around them and then they're ascending in this to trying to be renewed. Right. Um, you know, we, we haven't. Um, this also has a TV show adaptation and a book. You know, that's uh, the whole series is based on. Of I wonder if they go in further detail for the reasons why they do the ceremonies the way they do. But from the film itself, this whole film has a great thing. I actually really appreciate where they really don't explain much of anything about the society or why they do the things they do or how like much of the technology works. You just have to watch it and then try and figure out for yourself, which is kind of exciting for a film. Honestly, like that. I wish more films did like that stuff now. Um, But yeah, so like we look at the ceremony, like, ah, it doesn't really make sense to me, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a well-thought-out reason for how they did it for the film when they were shooting it that day. Right. Yeah. So, basically, you come into your 30th birthday, and everybody on their 30th birthday has to go to this uh, carousel. You have people like um, Logan and his friend Francis are called Sandman, and they are basically, I guess you would say, the security of the cops of this because... Uh, if you're coming up to your birthday, they got people called runners where they're going to try to escape the city and not go to the carousel and try to escape. And uh, there have been some that have escaped. I think they said 1,064 or something. 1,050, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they're unaccounted for. 
so Logan, the, the, you see this guy take off, and they got a runner, so they, they go and uh, end up killing him. Uh, then you see these guys come down in like jetpacks and clean up, like spray. Uh, I guess thing. like sanitation. They spray his body, and then pretty much when the carousel's gone, he, you see him disintegrate, which is a pretty cool special effect. Disintegrate to nothing, and the floor's clean again. Um, yeah, well, the whole the whole governing body seems to be like this master computer system that essentially actually rules over all these these young people, and that um, the Sandman are like the police officers and sanitation, all of them in the service of keeping up this master computer's like quasi-religion, you know, right. being made sure they keep up the illusions of it all and all the rules they have for society mm-hmm. based in. So, like, the runners, I don't think even they fully understand that they're killing people even because they almost have, like, a children-like outlook. Like, they just, they, 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 you know, they stop the runner, but, you know, everyone gets renewal in some form, you know, like that. You know, life never ends for them. They don't and, see it. And way. I guess yeah. once they kill a runner, mm-hmm. they pocket whatever that was on them. Is this, is that what they did? They went to that, because he, they ended up putting stuff in that pouch, which yeah. comes into play later because now once you do that, you end your shift, I'm assuming. They go into this room and they have to identify themselves by putting... Uh, everybody has a little crystal in the palm of their hand. Yeah. And the different color represents uh, how old you are and what your job is pretty much. Some so, of the basic data about you. Right. Yeah. So you, they put these trinkets and stuff in this tray. Like Francis goes first, puts his stuff in there. They, they log it and he walks out. Then uh, Logan comes in. Drops the stuff in there and puts his hand on there, and um, lo and behold, it's not working properly. Um, he has come across this ankh, if you will. Uh, it's like a cross, uh, circle at the top. Yeah, like an old Egyptian artifact. And the computer tells him to come forward, and uh, they start. Uh, they she starts. Have you heard? You know what this is? And he's like, No, I've never seen it. It was on the runner I killed. She said, It's an ankh, and she said it symbolizes freedom sanctuary and so basically she has given the computer boss has given him a uh, special assignment yeah to to essentially infiltrate um a sanctuary they call it they believe that all the runners who actually escaped have formed their own society outside of the dome that they all reside in and he's supposed to go find out information report back to them yeah um so uh, Logan, after a long, hard day, comes back to his apartment and he uh, does this thing where he gets on the circuit and the first one looks just like him and he's like, nah. Well, then he and then a girl comes through and it's where we meet um, Jessica. Jessica. And I, I thought it was really funny because uh, Log- Logan's like, hey, uh, well, let's just go have sex. She's like, nah. No, he's like, what do you know? She's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm in a Sandman's place. Do you all live like this? He's like, oh yeah, it's very interesting, especially over here. The measure, the measure. Yeah, let's go look at it. Yeah. And so basically, they talk for a minute, and we'll skip around a little bit because I don't want to go through the whole movie. But basically, Jessica goes back because uh, Logan's been tasked with the sanctuary thing, and he tells her, and she goes and tells. Uh, some of her friends are inside people, I guess you would that call That he intends to run. Basically. He intends to run. Um, so, at some point, when does he 
learn that he has to run. So we got a little bit of the order a little bit messed yeah, up. because, because he, we got... He, he, he goes on the circuit first and meets that girl. Right. And the girl is actually wearing an Ankh necklace that he takes note. He notices, too. And also, when he gets one of the first person he gets an Ankh off him. And so he sees the symbol multiple times. And then that next day, he actually goes to the office to to have his um, his crystal scanned for like this morning shift basically like that and that's when he's brought back to the master computer to talk to him and the master computer informs him that like okay a thousand runners have gotten away this onk sample means sanctuary and so I want you to infiltrate sanctuary and you will Im- you will pose as a runner to go in there and infiltrate the sanctuary and then report back of what you found that's that's his goal so after that he goes and finds Jessica and said, and Jessica is very confusing. He he tells him that he that he intends to run, and that Jessica doesn't believe her. Jessica doesn't believe him because no Sandman's ever done to run before. Um, so they part ways, and then Jessica goes back to her friends who are essentially part of a um, a kind of uh, underground railroad almost of uh, allowing trying of trying to get these runners out. And she goes to them and tells them the Sandman's attempting to run, and all her her, her friends and accomplices all tell her absolutely not. We do not trust the Sandman at all. It's too much of a risk. Smartly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so they tell Jessica to go get the Sandman under the um, pretense that she will help him escape, and they're actually going to take him to his execution. So that's the idea for So they meet up again, and then um, Logan and Jessica. Um, get in the tram to go, um, which is pretty cool. Look like a big hamster cage. <laughs> yeah, big like hamster cage, and it's some it's some great. Um, also, uh, just miniatures, uh, yeah. miniature work too, especially. Um, I, really impressive work going on there. And they um they get sidetracked because actually they they hear news of another runner. So Logan going to do his job goes to the delinquents, um, dome area. I forget what they actually called it in the in the movie. Um, <clears throat> but um, it's essentially it's a place where they hold all delinquent children that are under the age of eighteen and have no one to raise them. Um, they put them all there um, to just go about whatever they were, whatever they want to do, and it's just a madhouse back there. Um, I think it's by the time they hit fourteen, they get. Their- yeah, I think it's eighteen actually. Is it? I think it was just eighteen, um, or possibly if they behave correctly, they could probably leave earlier. But it's one of those things you're, you can kind of become king of the jungle as you get older, so no one wants to leave until they turn eighteen. Um, uh, gosh, I'm losing my track here. They're at the um, place. Yeah, they're the at the place to find the runner who's escaped to that area. And Logan and Jessica find that runner. And then Logan um, starts trying to pose as a runner himself now. Um, helps out that runner and uh, gives her a, uh, a, a little like decoy, like, like a flashbang, basically a flashbang bomb that's same with a little marble. Um, they leave her to do her business, and Francis comes in from behind and actually kills that woman and says, like, I took care of that runner. And then um, they kind of go on a more um, genuine chase where Logan and Jessica are trying to find fully, are going back on the chase to fully escape. Jessica now believes Logan is sincere and actually will fight on his behalf to make sure he escapes. And then Francis, uh, Logan's friend, is on the pursuit of him in a kind of a, you know, a betrayed friend kind of uh, you know chase going on there. Um, eventually they get to the resistance members, Oh no! They, they have, from there they go. Um, they go to the surgeon, who Doc with Michael J. Anderson's character to get a new face to get Logan a new face. So that way he can hide his identity and hopefully escape easier. That way, they arrive to the facility where they find um, um, the doctor. Um, you went all the way back, actually, for the little bit of here. The very first runner actually had his face changed just before he went on the run. So Logan suspects there actually is someone helping out runners at the medical facility so that's why he goes to the medical facility because he thinks he can too will also get help there and he's on right about this um, investigative process too they find Michael Anderson's uh, the character Doc 
have them start forming a face. But um, as gets a uh, phone call, yeah, it gets a phone call from the resistance members who are already planning to kill him, and it says like, you, "Are there no circumstances are you allowed to help him out? Actually, kill him right there and there because we need to make sure we keep this safe." So in the in the in, the, in that scene, um, Doc tries to murder Logan with the surgery machine. It was pretty cool. It's an amazing um, special effects scene, especially for the time. Absolutely astounding. They have a fight. A fight breaks out. They go to fight. Um, her assistant, uh, doc, the doctor's assistant, Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Farrah Fawcett's Holly escapes, and Logan kills the doctor. Throws him on the thing, and the, the lasers just chop him up. You don't see yeah, much just, of just it. Yeah, just butcher him. Yeah, but presumably a very gruesome death that we kind of make sure we keep gracefully off screen. Both because like, they couldn't really do it with special effects, and also it's just it's a little too dramatic for this film's um, kind of tone right now. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. Yes. Do you think it was the resistance people that called, or do you think it was his friend, the runner, that called him in because the uh, the Sandman? Because a bunch of the Sandman show up when he kills uh, the Doctor, and he starts remember, and that's when they start have to start running. Ah, uh, gosh, when you put it like that way, I'm actually I'm not sure. Perhaps that con- perhaps that scene is, made it unless, more clear. Unless there is a Sandman that's in the resistance too. Would make sense. I don't think there's any Sandman in the Resistance necessarily, because especially considering how shocked they were that a Sandman would come a runner in the first place. So I don't so think. I think any... it would have to have been a. I think it would have to have been his friend. I, I think it would have been the Resistance telling Doc to kill him because Doc is part of the Resistance himself, and that's. But then person... why did all the Sandman show up once they killed? Because the they're already in pursuit of Logan because they knew he's a runner at that point. Yeah. No, Francis let him go right there at the the juvenile detention facility, though. But he didn't actually. But he still is reporting back what he saw. So that's why he let him go right there because he didn't attack him in the moment. But he he did report back what they saw. So the same man looking for him after that scene. So the same man come in. There's a big gunfight going on, right? And mm-hmm. uh, basically they go on the run. And the first place they stop is this. I don't know what you would call it, the love shop, I guess. Yeah, the Which psychedelic really love shop. Weird because you just walk in and you feel that. I guess you just feel like. Ecstasy, like well, they go through that hallway, and that hallway is streaming down the smoke, and the smokes are drugs in this world, right? Yeah, so that's why they go through, and they immediately hit like this kind of almost like it feels like it slows down their own perception of time, right? As well as possibly in some kind of weird psychedelic aphrodisiac, because I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what you want when you walk through a hallway like that, (laughs) right? And then they get um, basically separated by men and women trying to. What was that movie where they they slowed down and if they stayed there for a long period of time they lose sense of time, and the only way to do it was to get out. Um, or basically, you would die there. You know, what I mean, if you, if you, I can't remember. It's something I just watched not too long ago. Uh, two things I remember. Two films I remember doing time manipulation kind of like that was Inception, where like the further you went down, the slower your time dilation went. Yeah, that's where like it. as you went layers down, you have slower perception of time. And there was also the um, Dread remake where it had the slow mo drug, or as you took that, it would slow your perception of time by a hundred times. So it'd be like one second would last, you know, a hundred seconds basically. And uh, that was an excellent That's movie. That's going to be I'll have to think about that and, and get back with people. So they make it through there as Francis is chasing them as he is. Um, and they ended up uh, going uh, down into like the underbelly. The, the recesses and, of the And dome. what's really cool is when Francis is chasing them. And it looks like aquariums down there. Mm-hmm. And he shoots the glass out. And this big old flooding scene it starts flooding the whole thing, which is a very cool shot, too. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be kind of cool going through these kind of layers, too, because it's a revelation for Logan and Jessica that they don't understand anything about how the dome works. They just took 
because they're they're supplied everything. They don't have to work. They're constantly given food and clothing, everything they need to live. Um, but none of them takes everyone takes it all for granted. They don't think about how any of it works. And as Logan and Jessica kind of proceed through the recesses of the dome, they can see more and more things that make you understand. Like, oh, this is a giant machine doing all the work for us. We shouldn't have been taking this for granted from the start, kind of a thing. So it's kind of more and more revelations as the characters go on, in a really kind of cool way. I think it's actually really. It's impressive that the film doesn't make them children in adult bodies. It actually makes them adults who are kind of coming across these revelations more naturally. It doesn't feel unrealistic to me in a cool right. way. So I really appreciate that in this film. But yeah, as they proceed through the recesses, they eventually finally come across the resistance members who are then all ready to kill Logan. But Jessica comes to their defense. And as Jessica is trying to defend Logan, that's when um, doctor's assistant Holly, Farrah Fawcett's character, shows up. And then uh, she is um, in such a shock from the event of uh, Doc's being killed, um, trying to kill Logan and then Logan killing the doctor, that she immediately accuses um, Logan of being a, uh, a terrible person and a murderer and a bad guy. Um, but um, Jessica was able to calm Holly down enough to see the um, error her ways. Yeah, and there, was that, two, there was two Sandman, this is why she says. Remember. Yeah, two Sandman. And it wasn't this one, it was the other one. It was one. Francis who did it, remember yeah, that? See, yeah. it was, that was kind of a weird scene too, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if she was just in the state of shock. Yeah. Um, so basically, they, they said, is this sanctuary? And they're like, no. To get to sanctuary, you got to go through here. So you gotta go through so this here we go. Passage, yeah. So so here comes a bunch of the Sandman. They have a big shootout, and that's where I think they he ends up. They got the Ankh, mm-hmm. and they say you got to go through there, and you put the, put this to get through the secret passage, and so they put it on there. And I think this is where Francis shoots the the thing, if I'm remembering. Yes. Uh, sorry, I'm a little out of order. I watched it like at three o'clock this morning. So <laughs> same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they make it through there, and they come to this. I guess you would call it a cave, like an ice cave, ice, ice, yeah, ice cave or something. Very where you that mean, part makes little sense to me. To be honest, but but it, but actually it does because um, you find out that there's this. I robot. guess he was formerly a human. He's now a robot. His name's mm-hmm. Box. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool outfit. I ain't yeah. gonna lie. But uh, you come to find out that he has all the all the runners are frozen. Yeah. in like this cave. Um. And he's like, aha, now, you know, I've, I'm finally prepared for you because he's going to freeze them, too. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, no. So they they start shooting and... Uh, yeah, they defeat the robot. They defeat the robot, yeah. Basically and then they out. escape through a cave into the real world. And they're like, what is it? It's warm. It's the sun. Yeah. And then as they keep going through, we discover that the real world is actually a, a literal post-apocalyptic America. Right. You yeah. see the... Uh, the Washington Monument. You see the uh, Lincoln Memorial. You see Con- the Capitol, mm-hmm. uh, where they come come around and they find this old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, old man Peter Ustinov's character. <laughs> he doesn't have a name. Yeah. He's just the old man. And, yeah. uh, he's got gray hair and all this, and, and a bunch of cats. So he's kind of like Kyle in a post with a bunch of cats. Bunch of cats. Um, yeah, and for them, this is a relatory experience. Like meeting an old man is new to them because, like I said, like, in the society, anyone that turns thirty is immediately taken to the carousel to be basically ceremonially executed, right. <laughs> euthanized, euthanized. Yeah, yeah. So for them, like, they've never seen a man of wrinkles before. They've never seen a man of gray hair before. They just never seen anyone even close to this age before yeah. in their life. And they're like, well, "What's your name?" He's like. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> Watch yeah. what he's like, well, is that your natural hair color, basically? Like, hey, do those those th- those creases on your face hurt? You know, they're talking about his wrinkles and all that. Um, yeah. But Francis has still followed him, um, and, and and it's pretty interesting because they're walking through. Uh, like, they see tombstones, and it's like 
they had names, and then there's these numbers like the date of death, and like beloved husband and beloved wife. And yeah, they don't know what any of it means. Yeah, they don't even understand the concept of a mother and father and of a of a, a of death a husband uh, and wife. As far as a, they don't, yeah, yeah. they don't understand death because like even at their birth, they are birthed through these uh, machine breeders um, that you know does all the work for them. You know, no woman has actually become pregnant. They are just formed by machines, and they have the you know the the DNA collected the other ways. All right. Yeah. So like they don't, and they aren't even raised by a mother and father too. They're raised by another means. I actually don't know the understanding how any youth goes even outside the adolescent, you know, the determined facility. <laughs> I surely there's got to be a more gradual way to get up there, <laughs> a more safe place to be. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're in the wild kid den until you're 18, then you come to society. That'd be weird. So Francis has followed him. Mm-hmm. He basically, uh, Jessica turns around and he basically drags her away. And he ends up going to the top of the the Capitol uh, inside and looking down at Logan and all. Logan's looking for Jessica, and that's where Francis and Logan have this confrontation. And um, they start in uh, basically Jessica uh, throws the gun away, and Logan, uh, Francis jumps down onto Logan. They have this big old fight in Congress, which yeah, no different than today. Exactly, yeah. But what I really thought was funny is Francis gets beat to death with a flagpole. <laughs> Basically, and I'm like, he didn't even, didn't even stab him. And yeah. I, I can see if he, like, you know, impaled, impaled him, him. With, yeah, the, yeah. with the American flag waving in the wind. No, it was just basically a smack across the face and like two strikes to the back. And the guy, the guy, you know, he rolls yeah. him over and he's dying. And he's like, it would only ever either you get struck in the head of a steel pole, good chance you're gonna die. I think it was still, though, is the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Um, yeah, and, I, you know, they roll him, he's like, he's like, you know, look at look at look at your hand, and he looks at it. And it's silver now too, because it changed to where they're basically old age. Yeah, when you leave the facility, it kind of just dies out, but like you're still alive. So it's like one of those things. Like the 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 crystal in the hand and a lot of the technology, it feels like it was just like they really came actually pretty close to figuring out what a cell phone would be before <laughs> cell phones existed. And a lot of the concepts, like the idea of the circuit being a place where you go meet women and men who are you know down to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and having the the crystal which contains all your information it's a lot of the idea of like keeping a cell phone on the card and, is, <laughs> and all the uses that are that income with it it's actually very close right. so we rolls um, over they basically make up they end up burying Francis mm-hmm. uh, and then they get the idea that the uh, they want to take the uh, they can't bring all these people out here that we'll go back and we'll tell them but we can't bring them out here why don't you come back with us yeah the old he's man he's like is yeah. it far <laughs> yes it is yes. is it treacherous yes, yes it, it is, is. <laughs> will it be hard and welcoming yes it will be <laughs> I'm in I'm in <laughs> so this is where I told Kyle it felt like um, Flash Gordon Bilbo Baggins and Tinkerbell <laughs> <laughs> went yeah. on a journey, yeah. uh, and this guy is talking nonstop all the way back till they get there. Well, they get there, and they don't know how to get in. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to get back into the city. Yeah, because they've never had, they've, they've never, never been outside. How the facility works or anything like that too. They have no understanding of how the world works to any significant degree. So um, I like they they go down these steps and there's like a waterway, and they think they come to the realization that hey, this is what generates power from the ocean. Blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and they're like, we're gonna go down here. We don't think you should go down here. We don't think you'll fit. And I'm like, well, he just said he didn't think he could make it. He's got to hold his breath. No, he says we don't think we can make it because he is an old man. He didn't think he could hold his breath on the water and swim down there. It's honestly, it's a challenging course they went down. Kyle, I don't think you would have made it down there either. Maybe. But <laughs> I can swim. You can sink. I can sink and stop. I can go through a hole. 
Okay, Jimbo. Um, yeah, there was two holes though. That's yeah, there was. <laughs> but they had what to pull about the, again. They had to, they had to pull the uh, screens off too. Yeah, they had to pull the screens off. So it was an interesting thing. But, but they essentially they tell the old man, "Okay, wait here for as long as you can, and if we can, we'll bring people out to you to show them, so they can see see you, and then learn the undeniable truth that they don't need to die at thirty, and right. they can they can actually live a, a more prosperous life." Which yeah. they get back, and the the people are going in like they must have sanctuary or the carousel every single day yeah because it's just on yeah, yeah right yeah, everyone, so everyone's they're all going in there they watch and the they're just like stop you don't have to do this you yeah, know? Yeah. and they're, and they're, they're all like, them. like eh. no, and they turn care. back around and, go, yeah. and Jessica's like no he's telling the truth <laughs> and they're all around they start ha 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 and they yeah. all just go back in and then Sandman uh, proceeded to go grab Logan and Jessica, and they take him to the interrogation room. And then the master computer uh, starts interrogating Logan. Um, Logan is, uh, at this point, very... There's apprehensive. six interrogation robots that drop down, basically. Yeah, yeah. Points of interrogation. Yeah, points of interrogation. The These, yeah, these... these Mind reading cameras, basically. Um, They're like, yeah. did you find sanctuary? He's like, no, no, there is no sanctuary. <laughs> Where's Francis? He guy killed him. <laughs> Just, it's really funny. Um, yeah, but essentially, the um, he, he's he, he doesn't want to give him the answer, the answers because he knows that the master computer is not um, working for him anymore, right. um, or he shouldn't be working for the master computer anymore. Um, and as he continues to interrogate him. It eventually becomes like this. Um, it's kind of revealed like the master computer seems to be corrupted or like incapable of actually figuring out this job anymore. But it encounters logic problems to the point where it malfunctions and literally kind of like implodes on itself. Well, see, I didn't know if it was that or if it was just because he resisted so much. I think it's a combination too. Well, he resisted so much too, and also just the computer couldn't figure out what to do next with the idea that Sanctuary didn't exist. It feels like the master computer. Um, Going back to my own internal lore of what the story is, I don't know what the book or the TV series ever went into, <laughs> but the idea that, that this machine was never designed to inherit all this responsibility and is deeply overtaxed for the past however long that facility's been operating, and it's finally coming to the point where like everything's coming to a head now. I can't run this facility anymore. <laughs> this thing needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and that's the point where and the and uh, Logan seizes that opportunity to stop one of the guards and, and then grab a gun and then start you know having a shootout, saving Jessica and escaping. I think I think it was pretty telling though as he's shooting stuff and stuff's falling from the the last thing he does is he shoots the red the red button that's mm-hmm. on the wall yeah uh, well I say button but it's all the different colors of the, the emeralds yeah. or but he, 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 he starts with the red one representing his own liberation it's just, there's, yeah so. well it, basically it's taking down the carousels what he's doing with that one because yeah. that means death yeah so uh, As go, he, it starts blowing up. Um, yeah, the entire uh, facility starts to explode. A huge disaster happens, and all the people inside the facility start trying to escape and evacuate. As you do, and as they evacuate, they come up to the giant fountain. That's where the generators are being ran at, and they finally see the old man. And they're all like, you know, almost all of them are actually afraid of the old <laughs> yeah. man because they don't. The one know lady's what he like is. up there and starts pulling his hair. And yeah, his face. Yeah, and all one that. lady's brave enough to like just kind of walk up to him and just put it, put her face on his hair and just kind of like put her face on his hair. Put, put his put his hand on his her face, hand her on hand his on, face. Her hand on his face. <laughs> You'll get it out of and just kind of gently, kind of like pat his whiskers. <laughs> Like a cat, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't say a word. He just kind of smiles and like, yeah, I'm a person. And he does the same thing to her. Uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then you see the uh, famous wave uh, from Logan and and uh, Jessica yeah. back to the old man. So, yeah. and the movie just ends right there. But if you if you did you watch through the credits? 
No, he walks to the credits. Well, uh, you know, it shows a... It's a post-credit adventure well, scene. No, <laughs> no, it goes to the credits. It's just showing the city, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the carousel people are flying by all throughout the end of the credits. Oh, my gosh. Like, huh. So that makes me feel hilarious. I'm just like, they all get ascended, then they're just flying around like, we've been, are, renewed. We've been are, renewed. Are we supposed to die now? What's going on? <laughs> they're just really confused. Like, why is this going for like 20 minutes? I want to get off the ride. All right, so let's talk about some of the spe- uh, special trivia of this film. Yeah. So the um, lead role was originally offered to James Cagney, and Francis was originally played by William Devane, but he pulled out uh, of the movie. James Cagney. What was he in? I got to look at his face, see if he can do the role. Uh, James. Well, you got to look at James Cagney back in 1976, Kyle. I'm sure that'll be the first photo I get of him. Uh, oh, yeah, he'd be fine for that role. Yeah, he, he wouldn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He could what a stud. Yeah, sure, yeah. All right. According to Michael Anderson, the old man's buttons are actually U.S. pennies. Uh, he made makeshift buttons out of them because he couldn't find any real buttons. So <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love that the old man is just kind of a madman too. Like it's clear, like he's been probably living alone for at least forty I was gonna years. Say, he's by himself and something. Else. What food was he eating? I know he's busting walnuts, the walnuts. Yeah, but that's about it. Walnuts and like, like clearly, like, like. Or like, is that why he had so many cats? Could be that too. I wouldn't be surprised too. <laughs> but it was something thing where I'm like, I'm sure, like he is just barely meeting his basic needs and so many. I don't know. He like looked awful hefty years. to be not well, eating. Yes, but simultaneously, like it looks like just like. From the way his kind of like his delusions kind of gone was like, oh, you're just barely making it early. Yeah. Um, a noble, uh, notable extra is Ashley Cox, the timid girl who touches the old man's face at the end. This was a future Playboy model who also appears nude at the beginning of the love shop scene, making a grab at Logan. Oh, so the love shop—that's what it's called. Okay, the love shop is a Baby little love place shop. where <laughs> we can get together. Uh, the shots of the. Pistons that control the other building to the scene in the ice cave were taken directly from director Michael Anderson's The Wreck of the Mary Deer. Never seen that movie. The Wreck of the Mary Deer, like a ship? Huh. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm assuming The Wreck of the Mary Deer would be a ship. Uh, probably. Person the ship, the Mary Deer. <laughs> breaks a, breaks a glass <laughs> of paint on it. <laughs> Bottle of ship. Uh, in the original novel, the colors of the live clock change every seven years. Yellow is birth to six. Blue is seven to thirteen. Red is 14 to 20, and red and black on last day and black at 21. According to the audio commentary, the movie changed it to 30 because it wasn't realistic to have a cast with all of the characters under 21. So in the book, it's actually 21, not 30. That would also make a lot of the scenes very inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No. Uh, the waterfalls and steps Logan jumps into to get back into the dome are the uh, active pull of the water gardens in Fort Worth, Texas. The main pool used to be nine feet deep, but it closed in 2004 after four people drowned near the spot where Logan and Jessica dove in. Oh, when it reopened in 2007, the depths had been reduced to two feet. Oh, wow. Okay. So don't go diving in at yeah, first. Yeah, don't go diving in at first. That's sure. Yeah. yeah so uh, our good friends from the You Will Never Die's podcast are in Fort Worth in Dallas. So maybe they can... Uh, take a visit there and see it. Well, maybe they can take some pictures because there's several sites that was uh, used here. Yeah. This was all filmed pretty much around it, Dallas. So cool sites. Brad, there. get on it. We want you to drive around right, and go right take now. pictures. Right, right now. Right now. <laughs> Stop your car and just go... <laughs> yeah. Uh, through the central, uh, though the central idea of this movie is that all the sins live must end at the uh, their lives at the age of thirty. Michael York, Richard Jordan, Michael Anderson Jr., and David Westberg were all over the age of thirty when they made this movie. So, I guess yeah, but they're actors, so they look young. <laughs> <laughs> really? Be youthful, okay? All right. <laughs> 
it's, it's, like, it's, it's like the high school thing of just like every high school movie is like, hi, I'm 25, but I'm playing a 16 year old. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> the model of the Dome City's interior lacks sufficient detail to give it any sense of realism. It was nonetheless constructed on a fairly large scale to accommodate the rail system for the miniature maze cars. Many of the buildings in the foreground were three to four feet high. The buildings were built at different scales based on their distance from the camera to give the model landscape a greater sense of depth, a commonly photographic special effects technique known as what, Kyle? Uh, forced perspective. Very good. Yeah. And one for it. one. At least two full-size maze cars were built for this movie powered by electric golf cart motors. <laughs> cool. Uh, it's effective. The stairs uh, down which Logan and Jessica climbed to escape from the love shop uh, led to the catwalk above one of the MGM sound stages. Uh, the love shop sequence originally ran about four minutes, but required re-editing for the movie to be granted a PG rating. A scene uh, with Box making nudes ice sculptures of Logan and Jessica was also cut. A scene with several characters visiting the Hallucimil shop and arcade was cut for its depiction of drug use. And all the additional footage and its background music were lost in what is now known as the Great MGM Purge, when studio owner Kirk Kikorian sold off what he could uh, of the studio's extensive archives and threw out the rest. Wow. Yeah. That's where I'm like, I'm like part of me too, it's like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like in the near future this turns out to be like a Amazon TV or HBO Max is like, we're totally going to do a Logan's Run TV show or something like that too. Well, Netflix, I think is like even a little more too friendly, family friendly for that too. It was like, I get to see HBO Max having box making nude sculptures and having the love <laughs> shop scene or Amazon TV probably doing that. Netflix is a little too tame most of the time. <laughs> uh, the pull from which Logan and Jessica merge when they re-enter the city is the famous Esther Williams tank at MGM. Uh, the carousel sequence is one of the most complex flying wire stunts ever done for a movie. A circular rig was constructed above the set, designated to rotate and sink with a revolving floor plate below. Initially, the performers were all supported by a single winch driving the mechanism for their thin support cables. Oh, wow. The cables became tangled during rehearsal. Each stuntman had to be untangled and brought down from the rig in a maintenance lift. The rig was redesigned to so each stuntman was on his own separate winch with all the winches connected to a panic switch that cut the power in an emergency. For reversal shots, the white crystal on the arena ceiling was built on the floor of the stage and the performers were lowered down towards it. These shots uh, were then filmed upside down to make it appear that the performers were moving upward. That is insane. Wow, I had no idea it was that extensive. I thought the carousel was completely like almost like a... Like a, like a blue screen or even a green screen kind of effect kind of a deal where it's like we just kind of like we flip the image while they were like just sitting by a wrench because to me it just kind of looked like they were almost completely still but then there's like implied motion in the background but like to learn they actually did make a full real scale carousel um, is both sounds kind of wasteful and insane to me <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a huge mistake actually for what they accomplished in the scene because in the scene it doesn't look like a real carousel to me at all uh, the Sandman's guns uh, worked using tiny butane gas cartridges but were very unreliable on camera as the gas did not always ignite when the trigger was pulled according to Michael York those wretched guns misfired as much as they fired there were a lot of high, highly technical things, yes, but thank God we weren't standing against blue screen all the time. Oh, gosh. I'm sure that's incredibly frustrating, too. Like, imagine you're trying to get in the mood of that whole action scene, trying to look disheveled, and everything else. Like, then you pull the trigger and it just fails, and you're just like, I can't do this again. Well, you know, that so reminds me of uh, when I was a kid. You'd get one of them cap guns, yeah. and you'd fire one, and no noise would go off or something. Oh, it's a dud. The next one, <laughs> yeah, all right, we're back yeah, in action. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, when the old man is showing Logan some of the portraits that used to hang on the walls of the Capitol, a portrait of former Richard Nixon was originally included with the line, they used to call him Tricky something. Something. <laughs> According to my Gunnison, the gag was too controversial at that time. Uh, the ice cave sequence was filmed in the middle of the summer in Los Angeles, California. The people frozen in the ice were extras who were sprayed painted white. For every take, the extras had to stand perfectly still for several minutes at a time. Wow, that's impressive. I wonder if you go you go back to the film again, kind of see them breathing, breathing a little bit or something like that too. But maybe that film quality just never really quite captured that. But wait, still, for the, wait, for, wait for like the uh, UHD version. The or UHD version. Or yeah, that'd be cool. A costume designer, Bill Thomas, threw together Logan's black house robes in about two hours while the set was being lit. Uh, Michael York kept the robe as a souvenir, although he jokes in the DVD commentary, I don't wear it very often. <laughs> Yeah, that's something. That's something about. I don't think they spend a lot of budget on costumes in this movie. You could tell they're pretty much just jogging yeah. pants, except well, for maybe box. Going back again, like you know, just for inflation, this film was under fifty million dollars to make, which like you know films now and even you know back then it's like not that much money. Nine million dollars back then, not a lot of money for a film. So they really stretched their dollar out, and then probably a lot of that was for the carousel and the miniatures. Oh yeah, the say. miniatures set and the carousel for sure had to be. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, not more. You know, I'm sure, I bet the, the miniatures alone was probably half a million easily. Right. Um, yeah, so a lot of impressive work was done on there with the budget they had, I think. Uh, many of the interior shots were filmed in the Dallas Market Center, once a 4.8 million square foot complex consisting of six ultra modern structures erected at 135 acres or 54 and a half square hectometers, which had then become the largest single wholesale merchandise mart in the world. In its apparel mart, demolished in 2006, this movie utilized futuristic backgrounds of the West Atrium for Phase 3, a five-story terrace space featuring an entire wall of mirrored plexiglass, and a variety of acoustical materials created by artist Paul Maxwell. And the Great Hall, inspired by a Viking chieftain's chamber, a five-level arena 280 uh, feet long, 150 feet wide, and 60 feet high. Where four thousand five hundred people could be accommodated at a show or exhibit, at the World Trade Center, cameras captured sequences in the seven-story expanded to fifteen floors in the nineteen seventy-nine glass-capped courtyard of the twenty-five thousand square foot uh, Hall of Nations. Wow, that's incredible! This is really like man, going to the budget, looking at the stuff they actually accomplished. This is really a, like a film crew punching way above their weight class in many respects. It feels like, like really, like for what they accomplished here, it's just like man, they were. Well, I think they were going for it. <laughs> but I think a lot of it was probably cheaper for them to film on location at some place like this than oh, yeah. building sets. So. Uh, yeah. That's probably where they cut some of their budget. I mean, or met their budget. Yeah, but still, like, it's just, you know, like it's like going for it at all is, is is an accomplishment in itself. Like having the ambition to actually try that is really impressive. Because like, yeah, and also it's funny that I I mentioned earlier like I thought there was like some kind of like futuristic quasi mall kind of place, and then actually be like, yeah, use a real mall. Yeah, <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, <laughs> the idea of a society that dealt with overpopulation by mandatory euthanasia influenced many other science fiction projects over the decades. For The Twilight Zone, Rod Serling wrote a rejected episode called The Happy Place, describing a society in which people were executed when they turned 60. <laughs> hey, at least it's not 30. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode Half-Life or Half Alive, is about a society that required people to watch uh, to reach resolution or mandatory suicide at age 60. And anyone who doesn't comply is a, considered a coward. And in What Happened to Monday, an overcrowded society only allows one child per family, forcing any subsequent siblings to go into cryo sleep. However, it turns out that the children are simply disposed of. Oh, jeez. So, 
uh, yeah, you can see the this idea has been around in a lot of TV shows and movies, um, and this just happened to be one that actually executed at the age of thirty. Yeah, 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 and that's very common in like most science fiction. I think it's also like. Gosh, I might sound like a, I sound like a comic for saying this, but it feels like like the most like dystopian science fiction is the idea of like 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 we can have future technology, but the moment we start using humans as commerce, as just tool of just objects to be disposed of or used as products, then that's when we're lost in society. And like, well, you know, you know why most of them chose sixty, right? Because they didn't want to play, pay social security to exactly. the older people. That's what I think. Exactly. Is, that's what the source of commentary right. is. There, it's like you know, like yeah, like is, as soon as you turn sixty, you're disposable. You're no longer useful to society, so we just need to dispose of you. And it's that now. That's what is so common in dystopian science fiction is the idea that we treat people as products and not as people right yeah uh, this so. is the first movie to use dolby stereo on 70 millimeter film prints also with a a type noise reduction so i thought that was pretty impressive interesting tech, especially with the time uh there was another building featured in this movie that was a modernistic brown stucco aztec-like temple with columns and gold windows also featuring burning in the final scene this building was also located in dallas just north of downtown on interstate 35 east it was originally the Zells building. It was later bought by Mobile Oil, who covered over the brown columns and replaced the gold windows with silver glass covering the entire side. So, Brett, we have another mission for you to go take some yeah, pictures. Go there right now. Right now. Right now. Stop what you're doing. Start running. Start running. <laughs> <laughs> We're call it Brett's run. Go <laughs> Brett's run. Yeah. <laughs> Um, though made by MGM, Warner Brothers retains the rights to this movie. Where Ted, when Ted Turner sold his library movies to Warner's Communications. Oh, so it would be a Warner film. So yeah, gosh, it'd be a Warner so, Brothers. So that, that HBO Max then. So yeah, all right. That's where it makes it. Okay. Uh, Logan and Jessica's journey takes less than fourteen days. The carousel at the beginning of the movie is on Capricorn fifteen. At the end, it is Capricorn twenty nine. So <laughs> impressive. Uh, the cat fight between Jessica and Holly, Holly was planned to be much longer. This had to be changed when the two actresses pulled hair too hard and Michael Anderson feared they would end up fighting for real. <laughs> Which Kyle says, let them fight. Let them fight. <laughs> let them fight. <laughs> Give me the 20-minute cut where it has that in there. That's all I want. It's, where's the love shop scene? <laughs> wow. Where's the unrated cut of this movie? <laughs> Uh, the scene, in the, the scene in the facelift <laughs> shop where the laser runs amok was copied in Die Another Day. Oh yeah, because yeah, the whole thing. Like, I'm trying to. Think. Uh, Marvel Comics actually published a Logan's Run comic book series lasting only seven issues in 1977. First five issues were an exa- adaptation of this movie, with two more continuing after the events of this movie. Unfortunately, the series was canceled before the storyline could be resolved, so they're still running. Yeah. Uh, Michael York initially didn't think that this movie was for him, but this young member of the uh, uh, Manson Theater Company was uh, deputed to drive me back and forth so we would chat all the time. York told Den of Geek, I mentioned that I'd had this script. He asked to take a look at it, so I said, of course. He came to pick me up the next day, practically wagging a finger at me, saying, you've got to do this. You may not be aware of it, but it's pressing a lot of buttons. And he was absolutely right. I think so. Yeah, I definitely agree with him. Yep. Michael York was playing tennis and saw what he described as a blonde vision of delight. It turned out to be Farrah Fawcett. Uh, York suggested her to the casting director, and she subsequently landed the role of Holly. Uh, Peter Ustinov improvised much of his dialogue, which I don't really think he had any. He couldn't remember anything anyway. He was the old man, right? I, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to think here because 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 uh, Charlie's Angels also started in 1976 too. So he really did just discover Farrah Fawcett out of the blue, right? It wasn't like I was aware of her and from anything else. Incredible stuff there. Yeah, uh, the cats in the old man's uh, scene uh, lived on the set to ease the boredom. Houston made cat drawings for Jenny Agato, 
One was called Catastrophe and featured a squished cat. Another was of a zombie feline titled Catatonic. <laughs> I'd love to see them. I would love to see the oh, squashed cat man. one. I hope it has the big eyes and the face like... It's just like a pancake. Gotta hope Jessica, Je- <laughs> that Ginny still has those somewhere in yes. a private collection just on her wall. Yes. Ginny uh, <laughs> Agato, Jessica Six, did not like the outfit that she wore in the film. It, 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 the outfit liked her. <laughs> but that's, well, as I was going to say, like Kyle said, I don't think anybody believed in undergarments or bras or panties or anything. Yeah, yeah, so, Everything was very just sheer, see, yeah, very, see-through. Yes. <laughs> Kyle's like, absolutely. Uh, as this movie was made during the sexual revolution of the late 60s and 70s, slight nods of new, uh, to new sexual freedom can be seen. Uh, when Logan returns home just after he and Francis have killed a runner, he seeks, quote, companionship on the circuit. Uh, the first companion offered is a male and is clearly not an accident. Logan politely smiles at the young man, shakes his head, and he tries again. When Jessica arrives from the circuit and isn't immediately interested in coupling, Logan asks whether she prefers a woman. <laughs> or prefers women, sorry. It was quite unusual for a big studio movie at that time to depict homosexuality as a normal or even common, especially since it had only been demoted as a um, uh, as a mental disorder three years before. Yeah, so it's one of those things like, just, like surprisingly like <laughs> like very progressive even now to a degree because like that, that that scene I think also kind of implies that Logan himself is a bisexual character in there too right. that he has like because so many like apps now have you you know you can filter out do you want to find men do you want to find women do you want to find both and like Logan clearly selected both <laughs> so it's like <laughs> all of the above is exactly he said whoever's available whoever's <laughs> <laughs> on the circuit right now <laughs> Uh, the set miniatures used for this city were reused for Ice Pirates, the Ice Pirate movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, despite Jenny Argento's brief nude scene, the movie was given a PG rating by the MPAA. And I think we discovered that, I think it's in 1984 is when the actual... Uh, we got to just like nail that on the wall so yeah, I always look I think at it's it because it comes up so often. I think it's Temple of Doom. Was it Temple of Doom or something like that? I think, I think like you're that? right. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, the set appears to be reused uh, from uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, the guns used by the said men on screen seem only able to fire energy burst. In the book, their guns could fire a wide range of projectiles, including slugs and bullets and net capsules for non-lethal takedown of runners. Oh, cool. that would, it's almost like a, if Batman had a gun. Batman, <laughs> like, I, was like, Man, I can't wait for like someday they're going to do some dumb TV spinoff or some new movie and they'll have all these cool things in there. Right? Yeah. Oh, this is a movie like, I was like, we keep going back and forth like, I want to see a remake of this. I right. think you could do it so much be better again. And this movie is also still very good, though. So it's it's weird to say. Right. Uh, Jenny Argato joked in a 2000 uh, interview, uh, 15 interview, sorry, that she still won't go to science fiction conventions because there'll be people coming up to her uh, in uh, her character skimpy little green outfits. <laughs> Man, that take a lot of courage to go to a comic convention wearing that kind of outfit. Jenny <laughs> uh, Archer said in a 2002 interview that while she enjoyed making this film, the skimpy ruling outfit she had to wear was pretty embarrassing. I think it was highly complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very few people can wear an outfit like that and sell well. She did sell well. I thought. <laughs> she did sell. That's well. my impression. A uh, year after the movie's release, William F. Nolan, the author of Logan's Run novel, uh, novel wrote and published a sequel to the no, uh, novel entitled Logan's World. In the novel, Logan and Jessica now live on Argos, a space station orbiting Mars, and they have a two-year-old named Jacques. And wow. Logan, Jessica, and Jacques are forced to leave Argo and return to Earth, and they go to live a group uh, with a group called the Wilderness People. But... 
Jacques feels ill, and Logan leaves to go find medicine for his son. However, upon returning, Logan learns Jessica has been kidnapped, and Jacques has been murdered by psychotic Borgia gypsies, and Logan, with help of his nemesis Gant, sets out to rescue Jessica and avenge Jack. I want to see it. That's a crazy story. What? I might have to read that book. Space travel, Argyle. What? Kyle. Happens in this universe. Okay, Kyle. Mm -hmm. Now, can you see where I said that Planet of the Apes could be in the same universe as this? (laughs) Because uh, there's a scene where they're walking on the uh, ocean, and I think it's where the Statue of Liberty ends up in Planet of the Apes. But they go to a post-apocalyptic New York. Mm. I, I can see it happening after I, that nuclear I, I, bomb. I went totally they lived it. underground, so they yeah. would never have been affected. They're the people that become the the, the radioactive right. telekinesis people. Right? Can you not picture it now? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I just created a whole new world. Thank exactly. you. Yeah. <laughs> Logan's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Planet of the Logans. Um, yeah. At the at the very end of this film, which I pulled up and watched, an extra flashes the Vulcan hand salute from Star Trek, so it's pretty funny. Uh, so, Kyle, give me your thoughts on Logan's run. I really enjoyed this film a great deal, and I'm, I'm, and it's it's funny that it's not, we're, we're both really enjoyed, it. and also like it's it's weird how much excitement for the idea we have of seeing like more of this in the future. Um, oh, there was one other small piece of trivia. Uh, I remember um, when Bioshock Infinite came out, I believe in 2012. The um, the director and writer of the game, I believe his name is Ken Levine, was also selected to do a test script for a possible like Logan's Run reboot. I don't think anyone came of it though. And we looked up news stories, and the last one we saw was like in 2021 of some different directors being set up to like for the idea of trying to find out a future for this franchise. So hopefully we get something like that. In the well, future, they also but- said, and I think in 1997 when it was being tossed around that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be playing Logan, I, which he could have pulled it off back yep. then. It's right around Titanic. And even of. the last ten years too, they're also talking about like like Ryan Gosling doing the role right. too. And at this point, it's kind of like, but it's also like, it's an age range thing where I feel like anyone over 35 is probably cast out of that Do role. you think Ryan Reynolds could pull it off? Because once again, he's, like, he's, just, he's just a little too old now. Just a little bit. Like, not not that much, but just a little bit too old. I don't think he could play a guy in his mid-20s right now. Ryan Reynolds is too old for that now. You know, um, but yeah, you mentioned Tom Holland um, right. during our breakfast today, though. He's probably a guy who's going to look like 25 for the next 20 years. So <laughs> maybe he could do it. <laughs> um, but I'm curious to see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's it's weird because like I feel like in many cases we're gonna be kind of remake or remaster kind of like, remake kind of adverse a little bit because some movies are just you know they stand the test of time and it's like I appreciate the old one I don't want a, a new version of the same thing again I want new movies instead but this film feels ripe for it in a way that few other movies do where like I want more of this I want a new adaptation that does more crazy things and gets like more fantastical elements that happen in that sequel apparently where it's like what how in the world did they get there if a great writer came in and made all that make sense I would love to see it so I'm um, kind of curious see how that goes but um, overall this film is a solid like 8 out of 10 for me in many of the rankings and I think this film is a solid film and if you're a film fan at all you should go see it this is obviously a little bit more on the um, uh, adult maturity spectrum of the line so I wouldn't take kids to see it necessarily because it's got a lot of sexual themes especially going on um, so I wouldn't really necessarily go there but I think it's a film well worth watching so that's how I kind of feel about the film Jimbo how about you you know, it, I had watched this. I had never made it all the way through because I, I only remember watching up all the way when it would come on TV. I remember watching all the way up to where uh, uh, Jessica and Logan are in the underground tunnels and the little girl steals the bracelet. That's as far as I can remember. Uh-huh. Um, so I, when I actually sat down and watched it, I was enjoying it. I mean, it's 
what I like about it is it's kind of like an original story. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. Um, it's 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 different different enough where it's like a fresh cup of iced tea on a hot summer day. Yeah. Um, One thing is when you're so used yeah. to seeing just the same old stuff regurgitated uh, year after year, movie after movie. It's nice to go back and see something. Uh, that maybe doesn't have the biggest budget, uh, maybe for back then it did, but I mean the, the the special effects. Sometimes that stuff to me is more entertaining than some of the new stuff they come out with. Yeah. Um, they had me at the, the at the beginning. I was into it. Um, the second half of the movie kind of, I wouldn't even say the second half. I would say the last third of a movie for me kind of took into a different movie yeah uh for me it's the moment when like when box shows up like if you're not like really invested by that point you're like thrown for a loop like what is this strange silver robot man doing here and what is going on and they're in an ice cavern when they were in a mall before that like if like for me like i i watch tend to watch a lot of movies like i'm kind of half paying attention to it from the most part or like playing a game or looking at my phone because add (laughs) and so and when we're like i feel like i get a good grasp of what's going on i look up and i look down my phone and i look up and all of a sudden there's a silver robot man like what I missed a whole movie apparently <laughs> yeah so, so that's that's my breaking point for the movie I bet for a lot of people that is too right no. so um, I talked to Kyle earlier and I said you know they always talk about sanctuary in this movie and it's funny that uh, there ended up being their sanctuary I'll use was actually the United States you know the the, the Congress uh, <laughs> America is known as the land of the free you know, home of the brave, and I think that was very interesting. That sanctuary ended up technically being America, America, North America, yeah, right. Um, so, uh, if I could change one thing, I think it would have been really cool if once they got the old man and they brought him back, that you know, all the people see him, that he was actually the one running the whole thing to begin with. Oh, and he's like the only old man. He's the oldest man living. So, yeah. you know, that he was actually the computer voice. He was actually all that. That was actually running the thing. I think that would have been a very interesting plot twist. And yeah. turn, you know, just have all the people turn and look at Logan and him and, and you know, the, kill him, whatever they want yeah, to do. Yeah, because the movie, like, it, it, two things. It kind of ends kind of rather abruptly yes, right it there. Yes, very, very there, abruptly. Like, it makes no, like, there's no sense of where they're going to go from here, merely that they have hope for the future. And well, I think the they're going to go, they're gonna, they got to go to the surface, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, presumably they're going to take that whole, you know, that whole... Uh, Colony and then to take them and try and have Earth and then like the sequel book goes to Argyle Planet for some reason, but no, like that's the space station one. Space it? station one, yeah, yeah. But you know the only thing it ends on is that they have hope for the future and that's good enough for me to, for the ending of Wise. And also the second part is um, at no point does like the master computer ever explain why the society works the way it does or makes a logical sense as to why they have to kill everyone at the, as soon as they're the age of thirty and like, why like. There's no sense of the cost or the need for renewal. Um, so both those things never have an explanation either for what they tell um, the citizens or why the computer actually has to do it. There's no explanation given for that, too. So those things are kind of like lacking. I wish were further explored, like I said, in necessarily got reboot story or possibly the books are already kind of make an explanation for it. But rather than now, it's a mystery to both of us for, right. as to why they need to do the character so, But, I mean, how yeah. cool would it have been if the old man was actually running things? That would have been really cool. Or, yeah, or in some way played a vital role in this whole society that, like, the, he did not allude to in a way. Like, right. And, and like, also be cool, too. If, like, I think it would be funny. Like, he did run everything, and he was also still the crazy old madman still. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't remember being yeah, there. He, he had no idea what he was doing. Yeah, he started it and then forgot. Right. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, so... Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to shock myself here by saying this, but I'm going to give this a 9 out of a 10. Um, I think with all of his cheesy graphics, uh, it's bad special effects, 
the story's there to be told. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I like science fiction movies anyway, but this is probably a, in the upper echelon of science fiction movies. I know you're a big science fiction guy when you yeah, first definitely. started coming on the uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, it's a solid nine for me. Um, did I have to see all the sheer uh, see-through clothing for the girls? You know, no. Yeah, probably um, not that. No, I mean, it, it could have been fine without all the uh, nudity. Uh, well, I say nudity, but it wasn't really. It's see-through clothing, so you might as well say nudity. Um, as far as I remember, there's no coarse language in it. Um, it is rated PG, but uh, if I'm if I'm rating this as today, it's definitely a hard PG-13, maybe a, a loose R. Um, I would say loose R is probably minimum, because there, there is some nudity in there, in that love shop scene especially. And in the frozen caverns, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping uh, one day, I might have to check out the TV show. I've, I, I don't remember seeing it. Uh, hopefully I can find it somewhere and give it a, a watch. But uh, I definitely think this should be on uh, the remake list. Or update the special effects in this one if you don't want to remake it, uh, kind of like Lucas did with all the Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I think that would actually make this even, uh, maybe even like it more. It's, so. it's it's intriguing. It's like I feel like they, yeah, this is like this is like sixty percent of what the idea could be. I feel like I feel like if some like in in better hands and with better special effects and more money, this thing could be some of the best science fiction work ever created. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of this episode. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, we are the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast on the Facebook. Uh, you can join the group there. We have a lot of fun, post memes and uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, if you want to come see us, we will be doing a live show. With live show. Hillbilly Horror Stories and Middle Aged and Creeped Out at the Boone County Haunted Jail in Lebanon, Indiana on May 20th. 20th. What time does it start, Kyle? Uh, what time does it start, Jimbo? I actually don't know. I don't know. You were pulling <laughs> uh, up. Let me, let me pull it up right now. Um, doesn't have the time posted on it, but we'll get that post on the Facebook, Jeff, so we'll get that I do you. believe it's 5 or 6 o'clock. If I yeah, it'll be around right. that time for sure. Around after You'll be around midday right. for sure. So yeah, May 20th, though. Hopefully you come out and see us. Uh, um, Kyle said he will stand there and pose and take pictures and sign autographs. Absolutely. And he might even wear the costume that Jessica wore in this movie. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I've made poor decisions in life. Not but many. I think, I think but, not many. And I think people would stop me if I tried. But <laughs> so, well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's wrap. And cut. <laughs>